0: up. It doesn't matter if you are a new believer or a have been believer uh, for your entire life for 60 or 70 years. Each one of us, no matter where we are, young or old, need to be built up. We need to stay strong in the Christian faith. Uh, We need to regularly trust God. And 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 sometimes I think um, the Christian life can be like rollerblading uphill. If you stop, you're going to start sliding back down. If you stop making that effort, if you stop praying, if you stop reading your Bible, if you stop attending church, suddenly you are going to slide back in your faith. You're going to encounter periods of weakness. Christians regularly need to be strengthened. It is is—it is no shame here to the churches that Paul planted that he had to go back and build them up. It's a regular process in the Christian life. And we should never get to the point where we think that we have arrived. The scriptures warn us about being confident, thinking we stand, stand lest we fall. It is no shame to continue to be built up in the Christian faith. So our main point this morning is not about deadlifts, but about disciples. Disciples need to be strengthened and built up. And we see Paul and Barnabas returning to churches that they had planted and, and discipling and building up the church so that it would be prepared for the future. So first this morning, the church must strengthen and encourage disciples. If you think of the mission of the church. Uh, the, the children right now are practicing Bible verses. Lorna gives them Bible verses and they've been reciting the Great Commission uh, that all authority. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go into all the nations and baptize them, making disciples. I just forgot part of the verse. I've been practicing it with my kids and I started saying it and I was thinking two steps ahead and it jumped out of my head. Anyways, it's it's the the baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son uh, and the Holy Spirit, which is what we're actually going to do today. How could I forget that part? But we are to go out into all the world and make disciples and disciples need to be built up. Part of the mission of the church is not only to evangelize and take this out, but to gather them together and build up the church. Paul in Ephesians talks about his mission, his goal, that God has given the church pastors and apostles and and leaders and teachers so that he might build them up so that we might all become one in Christ and that we might be the new man in love and unity. So we have here Paul and Barnabas. They had gone on to Lystra, and we had looked at this last week. And and last week they were proclaiming, uh, the people in the town were calling Paul and Barnabas gods. And this week, and it's the same time frame, a week hasn't passed in their time, but notice it says, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. So within a very short time frame, these people go from calling Paul and Barnabas gods and wanting to worship them, to being so angered and so stirred up that they dragged Paul out and they stone Paul. And, and it says here they stoned Paul and Barnabas probably was left uh, in the city. But this is how irate they had gotten. One commenter, commentator that I was looking at noted that the, the town of Antioch and the town of Iconium uh, which there were multiple Antioch's. This is the Antioch in, in modern day Turkey. Uh, it was a hundred miles away from Lystra. These guys were so irate at the ministry of Paul and Barnabas. They walked a hundred miles to Lystra to try to get Paul and Barnabas killed, to stir up the crowd. These people were so angry, these Jews, that Paul had gone into their synagogue and preached the gospel. And now he was going on to other towns. And they thought what Paul and Barnabas was doing was so contrary to the word of God that they stoned them. Suffering was not uncommon for Paul's ministry and hardship. If we are seeking to reach the law, seeking to build up disciples, it is not uncommon for us to face Hardship. Paul says in Second Corinthians 11, five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes minus one, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked and a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And you'll notice in our passage, when it's, when they stoned him, it says that they, supposing that he was dead. This really is the grace of God here at this moment, that they would look at him and and assume and think that he is dead. He probably passed out or was in some kind of unconscious. But but his breathing was was shallow enough that wherever he was standing or wherever they were standing nearby, they they thought he was dead. He looked like he was dead. It's the grace of God that they didn't go up and, and check more carefully. It's the grace of God that they left and, and went away immediately thinking that he was dead. But you'll notice he isn't dead. In verse 20, he, Paul and Barnabas then are going to go on together to Derby. But it says, When the disciples gathered around him, He rose up. Meaning, meaning they gather around. I, I think they're probably thinking, okay, we gotta take Paul's body. We're, we're gonna have to bury him now. And, and they gather around him and they come to realize he isn't dead by the grace of God and he, uh, begins to, to get up. And I doubt that he just popped right back up super excited. I mean, he was sore, achy. I'm sure he was black and blue, broken bones. I mean, just, just horrible. Uh, We think that later in Paul's life, he was probably uh, very crippled uh, because of all the suffering uh, that he had gone through. And you can imagine just uh, what it can do uh, to your body. It says he rose up and he entered the city and the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think if I was in uh, this situation, one, I wouldn't go back into the city. And two, I probably wouldn't go on with ministry. I'd be like, well, I did a good job here. I've reached a few cities. It's time for me to hang it up. I'm I'm good. You know, I don't don't need to be stoned or beaten anymore. Now, he goes into the city and, and I'm assuming that, that he probably goes into the house of some Christians and they probably attend to him and care for his wounds. As near as we can tell, he didn't just go back and evangelize right in that city. But it does say the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby, and they're going to go to Derby and preach the gospel in that city. Paul has an incredible boldness that comes from the Lord. And when he's persecuted in one city, the Lord gives him the boldness and the courage to go on to the next city and share the gospel. I think that's a, a good little lesson for us. You know, sometimes you share the gospel with someone and they maybe they really shut you down. Maybe they get really angry at you. Maybe they, they don't want to talk to you. Maybe you you lose a friend over it. Now, it's not near the kind of persecution Paul encountered. And I wouldn't even call it persecution. But it is so easy in those situations to get discouraged, to think, well, maybe I'm not cut out to be an evangelist. Maybe I shouldn't share the gospel so much. I I try too hard. Maybe we need that boldness that when someone rejects the word of God that we give to them, that we would have the courage to maybe keep trying with them. Or maybe God is closing the door at this time to evangelize them. But but we need the courage to go and and talk to someone else. The Lord has people out there that he is calling to himself and he wants to use us to share the gospel. Notice that they continue to make disciples. They continue to evangelize and then they return to strengthen the churches. When they had preached the gospel to the city, to that city, that's Derby, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So they returned to these cities that they had been persecuted in. But they had planted churches there and they go back primarily for the purpose of building up the church. Maybe they did a little evangelism on the side, but we we don't get the sense of them stirring up the town that they did the first time with their evangelism. Their focus now was strengthening the disciples. Look at verses uh, verse uh, 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith. And saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord uh, in whom they had believed. So the disciples had been made. These people have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now I want you to notice three things that they do for the believers, three things that they do as they go back to build up disciples. And these are, are three things that we can be doing regularly and should be doing in our churches. First, they strengthen the souls of the disciples. Believers need to be fed in God's word. This is why my practice is we preach through sections of the Bible. You, as a believer, need to be fed in God's word. You wouldn't, as an athlete, work out and then never eat. Athletes eat a lot. They eat two, three, four thousand calories a day, which if the rest of us ate that much, we would just get really big and bloated. But they're working out and they need that strength. And so they need to eat the, the Christian life can be fraught with difficulties. We need to be strengthened. We need to be encouraged. We need our souls ministered to. The the church is to nourish believers and feed their hearts. Help them to fall more in love with the Lord Jesus. Give them an equipping, not just so they know what to do when they go out, but, but so that spiritually, inside themselves, they are nourished and strengthened and build up. Oftentimes, I think the, the Christian experience uh, can kind of be like uh, a honeymoon period when you first become a Christian. You know those first days of marriage, for those of you that are married, where, where everything is new and everything is exciting. And, and your spouse, I mean, they can do no wrong. They leave dirty dishes out. Oh, that's okay. We're in love. They leave socks on the floor. Oh, he's just such a wonderful husband. And and there's that there can be when you're a new believer, that overwhelming joy. Jesus saved me. This is awesome. This is this is amazing. You just want to shout it out to everybody. How awesome is God? And then maybe a trial comes, a little bit of hardship, some some difficulty, and, and in your Christian life, you can you can suddenly feel like you've gone from that mountaintop experience to sort of that that low. Like, oh, man, this is rough. Is God really there? Is he really hearing my prayers? Maybe you're not, you know, you're not walking away from God, but suddenly the reality of life sets in. It's kind of like the second year of marriage. Those dirty dishes, those stinky socks Oh, this is horrible. He's awful. Why did I even marry with him? Why do I live with him? And and then, you know, third, fourth year, things get normal and you realize marriage has its ups and downs For for us. And I don't want to betray any any secrets. But the second year of marriage, we had we had probably more fights than we've ever had. Uh, we had to learn how to fight. We had to learn how to live together. Suddenly, the 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 starry-eyed, rosy glasses just kind of not not that we weren't in love, but but some of the reality of life just set in. And I was, "Oh, we got to figure out how to live together. We got to figure out how we use the toothpaste. Do you go from the top or do you go from the end? We got to figure. I got to figure out. I got to remember to put the toilet seat down. You know, all of those things that create tension. Christian life can be like that." And when you go through those phases, you need to be strengthened. You need to be built up. Sometimes an older spouse will tell a young married couple when they first have one of those first fights, this is normal. Now, you don't want it to go on forever. you got to learn how to solve them. But, but it's it's normal. Don't, don't freak out. Don't go see the lawyer and think you're on this path to divorce. They're, a fight is normal. Sometimes an older Christian has to tell a younger Christian, you know, it's okay that you woke up this morning and, and you didn't feel excited about the Lord. That, that can be normal. We have some ups and downs. It's okay that you had this moment where you struggled with trusting God. Now, you want to turn to God, but, but those are normal temptations, normal experiences of the Christian life, and need to be reminded that when hardship comes, to turn to the Lord. So, again, Christians need to be strengthened. Christians need to be strengthening the souls of the disciples. Maybe there is someone in your life, particularly if you've been a Christian for a while, that you can come alongside someone who's been a younger Christian and just encourage them. Or maybe just on a Sunday, there's someone here that you can just make sure you say kind words to people. You don't know what the person has been through through the week. Maybe they've had a bad day. Maybe it was a real hardship just to get out to church. Maybe they're wrestling with something internally and you're just saying, you know, I'm so glad you're here today. It's wonderful again to see you. I'm glad that we can gather together in the house of the Lord. That might Encourage them or you see a, a mom come in and she's carrying the toddler and she's got the diaper bag and and, you know, the kid's hair is a mess and maybe her hair is a mess and her blouse, uh, the collar is turned up. And, and and rather than saying, you know, oh, well, what did you come dressed to church like maybe it's we're just glad you're here. I remember when our kids were little, it was hard for my wife sometimes to get them. I was always focused on Sunday and the sermon. and She's like dragging them into the church. And it, she had days where she was frustrated. We need to encourage people. Maybe someone's been through something. Maybe someone's suffered a loss recently. Maybe someone has, is going through a tough time at their work. Encourage one another. Strengthen the souls of the disciples. Then, second, they encourage them specifically to remain in the faith. They encourage them to remain in Jesus Christ. It can be a real temptation in real hardships to walk away from the Lord. Maybe you're lucky and you have never been through that kind of hardship. Count it as the grace of God. But it is not uncommon for a Christian to go through such a low spot, such a hard spot, that they, at least in the back of their head, ask themselves, or maybe Satan even prompts that thought, why do you go to church? Why believe in Jesus? Why do you do this Christian thing? Look at all these unbelievers out here who, who don't worship God and, and things are going really well with them. And you worship God and look at all the trouble you have. The temptation can be the flesh, it can be the devil, but it can be to walk away and say, why do I do this? Why bother? And if we listen to that in our heads, it grows. We can feed it in a sense. We need to hear Encouragement to remain in the faith. A Christian going through their first hardship can be tempted to walk away or give up on their faith. And Jesus warns us about this in the parable of the sower. He speaks in the parable of the sower, the seed going out, the word of God. And he says it falls on the rocky ground. It says in Matthew 13, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet he has no root in himself, but he endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. There are people that make outward professions of faith. And when trials and tribulations come, they show that it wasn't real. Now, God will work in the genuine believer. And God wants to draw believers to himself and will bring them in and not lose them. But you know what God uses to do that? He uses believers and the preaching of the word to encourage other believers to stay strong. in in many ways, the whole book of Hebrews is about warning them not to turn away and not to fall away from the faith. He warns, be careful that an unbelieving heart doesn't get stirred up in you. He says in Hebrews 3, 6, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast are told fast to our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Hebrews 3:14 for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold to our original confidence firm to the end. And and so the book of Hebrews gives these warnings, but it also to the believer gives sort of a a kick in the pants. Christ is king, he is lord, he is the great high priest. Hold fast to him. And and God uses that in the believer to build them up, to encourage them so that they don't fall away from the faith. And we need to hear that encouragement. And we need to give that encouragement to other people. One of my favorite stories is in the Gospel when there is the man who comes about getting his daughter healed and and Jesus asks him, do you believe? And the man says, I believe. Help my unbelief. There are times in the Christian life where that is our experience. I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He is Lord. I know He is in control of all things. But God, you've got to help my unbelief because I am really struggling with some doubts. I am really wrestling with it. And in those situations, we need to be encouragers. In those situations, if you're going through that now, you need to listen Not to what your head is telling you. Not to the doubts that are cropping up. But listen to the word of God. And maybe you even need to speak that word of God out loud to yourself. You need to say to yourself, self, scripture says. And then grab a hold of a passage and repeat it to yourself. But we need to be encouraged. Paul tells us that tribulation is Normal to the Christian life. Look at what he says, uh, encouraging them in verse 22, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Uh, When was the last time you heard a prosperity gospel preacher uh, teach this verse through many tribulations? You will enter the kingdom of God. No, no, no. They say through many riches you will have when you come to God. Paul warns us all over in Scripture that if we belong to Christ, we may have to suffer with Christ. But he says there's something greater. There is an eternal weight of glory that awaits us. You will be transformed into the image of Christ. You, when Jesus returns and you are resurrected, you will look like Christ. I don't mean physically. You will bear his attributes. And what did Christ look like in his earthly life? He bore suffering. He was despised. He was obedient to God even though it cost him his life. What will my life look like in this life? I may bear suffering. I may bear hardships. I may have people mock me. I may have Bills that I get behind on. A job that I lose because I tried to share the gospel with someone. Sickness. Maybe a death of a loved one. I may have all those things in this life. But God has called me to be like Christ and obey. God has called me to to take up my cross and, and follow him. That scripture says in Philippians 129 that it has been appointed to us not only to believe, but also to suffer. I used to think with that verse, and I I still think this, that, that, that Paul takes it for granted that everybody knows that faith is a gift. He says not only to believe, but also to suffer. So he uses the analogy. We know, he says, you Philippians know that faith is absolutely a gift that if God hadn't worked in your heart, you wouldn't believe. But what you also need to know is suffering is a gift. I used to think we have an easier time understanding that suffering can come from God and faith, we have a hard time understanding that faith is a gift from God because we like to think that we're in charge. Now I think we have a b- hard time understanding both of these. As, as the culture moves further and further away from God, as Christians uh, have more and more difficult times and are going to just have to stand up more against the culture, We don't like this idea of not being people or or we don't like this idea of being people who are not liked by the world around us. And the scriptures show us that that is pretty normal for Christians through all of the Bible, but also in church history down through the ages. Paul says, for I consider the present sufferings or the sufferings at this present time are not worth comparing with the glory of. That is to be revealed. He says that if we are heirs, if we are children of God, we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Second Corinthians 417 for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. What does the building up of the saints, encouraging them through suffering and even the going through suffering do? It makes you more like Jesus. It makes you begin to, to in your character and in your spirit, reflect the glory of God. And the final hope is that resurrection, you get the whole kit and caboodle. You will reflect perfectly the weight of God's glory. Not that we will be gods, but we will be so made holy that we are like mirrors in the presence of God of God sometimes in the church churches are so focused on winning the lost that they never think how do we strengthen the disciples how do we like like cleaners polishing a mirror how do we work the dirt off so that they might bear more of the glory of God reflecting it before others and when I say work you Trust. I trust you know that God is the one who does the work, but he uses the means of the word of God. Brothers and sisters, it should be both and winning the lost and making disciples, not well, we're a church that wins the lost. Oh, but we're a church that makes disciples both and and that's why the Sunday morning service of gathering together is about. Focusing on worshiping God. Not entertaining the masses. Focusing on preaching the Word of God because you are here as disciples. We want the lost to come in. We want to share the Gospel with them. But but primarily, you are here today as disciples to be strengthened, to be fed the Word of God. And then lastly, or thirdly this morning, they appoint elders and commit them to, to the Lord. Look at verse... Uh, Look at verse uh, 23. And when they appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Churches need leaders. Churches need uh, men of God called to be elders who can handle the word of God, who can shepherd the flock as, as another analogy in Scripture. How is this encouragement going to go on after Paul and Barnabas leave, who is going to watch over that that Christian who is who is struggling like a like a sheep that wanders out from the fold and, and and stops coming to church or or struggles in their faith? Who is going to check in on them and feed them spiritually and kind of kind of like a mother, you know, nurse them back to health and and heal up some of those wounds? On the one hand, everybody in the church should be involved in doing that. On the other hand, and specifically here, God appoints elders who can handle the word of God, who know how to help people with their spiritual problems so that the, the, the disciples, the church, is continued to be strengthened and built up. You see in Acts chapter 20, Paul talks to the elders at Ephesus and he gives them commands and and to shepherd the flock, to minister the word of God. But he also gives them warnings as well that that false teaching shouldn't come in. As a church and through the various things that we've been through right now, uh, I'm one of the elders as the pastor. And we have two other uh, interim pastors who hopefully they'll they'll be able to visit sometime here again soon who have kind of kept tabs Uh, on the church. But the goal, the goal is to watch God call up and raise up men inside the church who can help us and shepherd and be spiritual leaders, examples, helpers when it comes to teaching the word of God, faithful when it comes to, to reaching the lost or helping uh, struggling Christians. And let me just leave that to you as a prayer request. Pray that God would give us a clear leading as to who and when those future elders, uh, who they might be and when uh, God is ready to to step up people into those roles. What we don't want to do is we don't want to use human techniques to say who could be the last best leaders in the church. Oh, you're really good at running a business? Well, you can probably run the church. We want people who know their Bibles, people who have a heart, for other Christians. Because that's what the church does. It builds up disciples. Let's close this morning. In a word of prayer. Our gracious God and heavenly father. Lord we just thank you for this day. And pray that you would bless our time. As we, as we gather here today. To do a baptism. And to welcome in new members. May this just strengthen us. Encourage us as we have seen in the last year or two. Just the work that you have been doing. We pray that this would give us just. Uh, a boost of confidence in you, that you would get all the credit. And we ask that you would uh, continue to work, continue to bring in families and young people. And maybe there are people that you would have us invite and try to be evangelistic to. Lord, lay those people on our hearts as well. In your name we pray. Amen.